This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And good morning, beautiful people. Hopefully you are enjoying yourself on this Louisiana Saturday morning. Happy Father's Day weekend to all the fantastic, phenomenal dads out there. Shout out to mine especially, and make it a great one. It's absolutely just gorgeous outside. Still a little, little warm, but you know it's definitely going to get a lot warmer over the next few days. So hopefully we can have some nice weather today. In the next few days, I know it's supposed to be, I think, towards the end of this week, it's supposed to be 100 degrees by Thursday. Yeesh, definitely a hot one. So make sure you drink plenty of water. And also enjoy great sports talking. We got you covered today. It is a stacked show. It's a little bit different than usual. Usually, last few weeks have a book in three. We've got four. Yes, we've got four. So not a whole lot of time to get in on the conversation, but we'll have time at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Last week, shout out to y'all. Calling in and getting in on the conversation about restaurants you missed. I've got a different little twist on that in this week's top five at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, but that's future talk. I want to talk about the here and now, but also look back at the year that was for the LSU Tigers because that's kind of what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. By the way, the number to dial is 337-706-0111. Again, booked up this show a little bit more than usual, but you'll understand why in just a little bit, but let's get down to brass tacks and get to your Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. I decided to save this and table my conversation. I saved from last week's show into this week's show because Again, the fan interaction during the 10 o'clock hour wound up bumping this segment back a little bit is what it is. We move on and we push this thing back because I wanted to get to it. LSU season is done. A lot like the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, we gave a grade on the Cajuns athletic year last week. We're going to give you my personal grades for the LSU side of things from this past athletic year. And I think there's a lot of stuff going on with that program. It's very tumultuous in 2021-2022 athletic calendar year. But let's get into it. Starting off with, obviously, the football program. And this may be the easiest take in the bunch. This LSU team, this LSU season on the football front, it was easily a C-minus to a D-plus type year for the purple and gold. And it started with one of the most disappointing losses that LSU's had probably since the Troy upset. And they made a trip over to the Rose Bowl and got their faces crushed by UCLA 
after Coach O had a little bit of instant karma after calling out a fan for his sissy blue shirt. And then it was just a never-ending roller coaster of a final year for Ed Ogeron that saw him. You know, he was told he was going to be done at the end of the year. They let him finish it out. And they're going to pay him a boatload of money to not coach. And honestly, I wonder if he's ever going to coach again. Because I think everything he, his resume is good but not great. He got lucky by getting somebody like Joe Burrow, once-in-a-lifetime player, to join his program. You stumble into a bowl game, you lose that one because everybody pretty much checked out by that point. I mean, you were without Derek Stingley Jr. for the bulk of the year after he went down with injury and decided to turn his focus over to the NFL draft. And that paid off pretty well for him with a top five pick and going to the Houston Texans. That being said, I think the bar for LSU heading into 2022 is low. It's not Curly Hallman era low because I think some people forget how bad that program was because of the recent success in the last 20 years. But I think Brian Kelly has that reputation to get this program back into relevance and be a team that's probably going to be, I think, on paper. I haven't done a game-by-game prediction yet as far as I can recollect of the 2022 season. But I feel like LSU could be an 8-4 and four type team. And then we see what happens from there. We see how things evolve, especially when it comes to the quarterback debate. Because that's going to be a conversation that we have for weeks and months to come. Is Miles Brennan going to ha- prove enough to be the guy? Or is the big name transfer going to outwork a guy like Miles Brennan who's been a part of the program for years and... Enter the transfer portal and decide to come back. All this stuff. That's what's happened. And I'll also say this. Temper expectations. They won't be an immediate contender in the SEC West, but could be in the next couple years if they play their cards right. The SEC West is going to be a lot tougher. You've got Arkansas being good. Texas A&M actually being good and, dare I even say, relevant. Now, how long that continues is anybody's guess. But Jimbo Fisher, no matter what, is going to get paid an ungodly amount of money, maybe a little bit more than he's deserved. And again, going back to quarterback play, that's going to be a big reason, big difference between this team making a bowl game, like a, I hate to say it, but the bowl formerly known as the Outback Bowl versus making a smaller bowl on like New Year's Eve or December 30th like he did this past season. LSU women's basketball, we'll go ahead and jump to them for a moment. Because they were the bright spot in a year that didn't have a whole lot of that, especially when you think about all the controversy surrounding the LSU program. LSU women's basketball gets an A+. Year one of Kim Mulkey. The standard had been set for a long time during the Nikki Fargus era, and it was a far cry from the Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles era of LSU women's basketball. And this was one of the best overnight turnarounds I have ever seen. You go from being a team that had nine wins in 2021 to getting 26-6, a win over Iowa State that was a ranked team, and getting a berth in the NCAA tournament. All that alone makes me feel a lot more confident in the future. That is LSU women's hoops. And again, Ken Mulkey has said, She's like, take your time and, you know, more importantly, don't think that year one we're going to get to the Final Four. 
that was the case. But making it to the second round of the NCAA tournament after being like kind of on the outside looking in for that, it's a great step in the right direction for a program that had definitely fallen on hard times and getting somebody like Kim Mulkey an absolute Hall of Famer in every sense of the word. By the way, did you know that Kim Mulkey is Kramer Robertson's mom? But that's besides the point. LSU women's basketball, they get the gold star. They're the gold standard of LSU amongst the big five sports that we cover here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers, by the way. LSU men's basketball, they continue to deal with the controversy surrounding Will Wade and the brash head coach was ousted just before the NCAA tournament after the NCAA dropped their bombshell on the Tigers. That said... The the on-the-court side of things wasn't half bad outside of laying an egg in the first round of the tournament to Iowa State. Mind you, that did pay off pretty well for me because I put a a nice amount of money on that game. Missed out on a really good parlay, but, you know, it is what it is. I'll take the little bit of money I won from that. Overall, though, I'll give the Bengals, Bayou Bengals, excuse me, a solid B-. minus. Credit to Matt McMahon because he joined that program. Not a single scholarship player was on the roster. He's turned it around, gotten players to sign on the dotted line, even with the looming sanctions because the NCAA is still going to hand some down, and they're still hanging over the PMAC like a dark cloud right here, right now. LSU softball on Bet Threena didn't do nearly as well as the standard they've set in the past. A 34-23 and 23 record is a clear drop-off from more recent years. You got bounced out in the SEC tournament, then you got 0-2 barbecue by San Diego State and Cal State Fullerton in the regionals. You didn't host the regional. That's also kind of comes with the territory that LSU softball has established over the last few years. So with all that said, they get a C-. There's still a lot of room for improvement. And I'll go ahead and throw out this hot take right here right now. I don't think Beth Tarina's on the hot seat in any way possible in 2023. If you can change my mind... Far be it for me to stop you to call up the game hotline and get in on the get in on the conversation about that. Then we close out with LSU baseball, the season that just recently ended a couple weeks ago. And a big reason why I wanted to do this. So we start off with Jay Johnson. Year one, I give him a B plus. They went from ninth place to a top four team in the SEC. They had their share of ups and downs. They beat a really good team in Oklahoma in extra innings, a team that just beat AM and is in the second round of the College World Series. So safe to say that win still looks good. But then you wind up having a good bit of downs, namely, and I think the biggest reason why you missed out on a regional host in the first place is the old Miss series and getting swept by them the way that you did. Not getting a regional host site keeps it out of the A range because we talk about all the time. The standard is the standard. And if you're LSU, there's no doubt in my mind that you want to be part of some success. And part of the success that Paul Benary and Skip Burpin established is being a regional and even a super regional host versus what we had seen in the last few years of one Paul Maneri. And year one for Jay Johnson, I feel like in my mind, was a success. Because, yes, you got to the postseason. You looked a lot better compared to what you had been in previous years. It's not going from nine wins to 26-6 and six like Kim Mulkey did. 
But getting to the point that you did with all the stuff you had to deal with, inferior pitching. Now, the real challenge for Jay Johnson is going to be what happens between now and 2023 because he's without his recruiting coordinator. That hurts a little bit. But I think the one that hurts a lot is your pitching coach because pitching was your biggest issue and the biggest reason why you didn't go to Omaha this year, in my humble opinion. Because outside of Mikael Hilliard, you had a whole lot of nothing going on on that pitching front. Your your hitting was fantastic. It bailed you out more often than not. And I don't know what's going to happen in 2023, what that starting pitching rotation is going to look like. After all, it is just June 18th, 2022. I'm certain a lot is going to change between now and then with the MLB draft looming and, more importantly, the future of LSU kind of hanging in the balance, if you will, when it comes to the way things stand with the rest of the coaching staff. Because you have two coaches leave within the span of 48 to 72 hours. It's not necessarily a good look, but hopefully Jay Johnson's able to get his guys in place and we see things move in a great direction. But overall, I think LSU Athletics, they get they get a solid B. They get a solid B because you had moments. I think that Kim Mulkey is that high part of the bell curve. If you remember back in the day when you were in school and you had sometimes all the grades weren't necessarily the best, so they graded on a curve. That's kind of where this is at. The A student was without a doubt Kim Mulkey. You've got Jay Johnson, Beth Serena. They did well, not necessarily as well as you'd want them to be to be able to consider them in the A rank. And I, I think the big one that brought you down was without a doubt LSU, damn near a D-plus kind of grade because it was one of the worst years LSU's had in a long time just in terms of your win-loss metric and, more importantly, losing a bowl game, losing the opener to UCLA, all the controversy surrounding that team. The dark cloud still hanging around them, but I don't think it's necessarily as bad as it has been in the past. We'll go ahead and take a quick time out right here on Under the Dome with CD, and we've got a lot to get to you on the show. We're talking some U.S. Open at the bottom of the hour with Cam Rogers of the Lock It In podcast. Can't wait to talk to him about that and also the LIV. But we're going to take a quick detour when we come back because there's a great event coming this Wednesday night, and it's at Michael's Men's Club. We've got a couple guests and participants in the Aerial Angels event. We're going to talk about that next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Be back after this. The world famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and a 104.1 Lake Charles. We got some great stuff up for grabs for you right now in our rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com that can help with your date night blues. And trust me, I know about all those all too well. 
And once you become a member of the Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes, including a $150 gift certificate to one of the best steakhouses in the entire state in Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, or also a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. And we've got that and so much more. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. And obviously, we talk a lot about sports here. But I think it's time to kind of venture into a different realm for a little bit. We're going to have on Cam Rogers in about 10 minutes or so talking about what's going on with the U.S. Open. What's the latest with that? But let's go ahead and flip the conversation over to Michael's Men's Club, the Aerial Angels event. This is going to be the first of its kind, and I've got two people here with me right now. They're going to talk about that and so much more. Alicia and Venom, how y'all doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I'm doing good. And conversation with y'all before we went on air, y'all mentioned this is the first time this is actually going on. This is the first time we've had the Aerial Angels tour make its way over to the heart of Cajun country. I think people know a lot about the Stripper Olympics, but what differentiates this event from what we've seen in the past at Michael's Men's Club? Um, well, this competition is going to have two divisions versus the Stripper Olympics, which has three. Um, we've never had an aerial division in the Stripper Olympics, so that's what differentiates aerial angels from the Stripper Olympics. Um, there's going to be a pull portion as well to the aerial angels that's worth 40%, and then your um, aerial portion is going to be worth 60% of your scoring. So It's exciting. <laughs> it definitely sounds exciting, especially when you think about the fact that you were going to be performing, and it definitely has that Cirque du Soleil type vibe. Just the name alone, aerial angels, sounds a lot better and sounds very entertaining if you're a fan of just seeing y'all do what y'all do, especially whenever you put it together with Cirque du Soleil type stuff. Because I remember a few weeks ago I was out of concert, and they actually had somebody doing that kind of stuff while the music, while the DJs were playing. It was awesome. Yeah, it's going to be kind of like a circus, just with less clothes. Yes, exactly. And sometimes that's a little bit better, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and you know, we got everything going on with that. And the door's going to be opening up at, at 5, correct? Yes. Uh, I believe so. Okay. Um, the show is going to start at 7 p.m., so you have time to get there, get situated, and uh, wait for us to come on stage. Yeah. And we got the game birthday bash, and I was joking with you all off the air. We kind of consider this, it's not official, but it's the unofficial after party for the game's 10th birthday bash coming up on Wednesday, June 22nd at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey. I know y'all are going to be having a lot of fun with this event, and I, I'm blown away by how much y'all are talking to me about just how interesting the entire event is going to be. And obviously you brought up two divisions instead of three. I know y'all mentioned it. Sometimes when you do three events in one night, it gets a little tiring. I think having these two events is going to make it a little easier for y'all. Yes, Definitely. I think so. On top of the fact that a lot of the girls that are coming in are going to be traveling from all over the world, actually. It's Literally. not just inside the country. We have some people coming from Canada. There's people yeah. that have come from other countries as well. I'm not sure which all, um, but I know there's a girl that's outside of the country that um, isn't from Canada as well that's also very good on silks. Um but, yes, on top of traveling in the day before or the day of, yeah. it makes it a lot easier when there's only two divisions instead of three. By the third division in Olympics, you're like, oh, my goodness, and it's always pole at the end, too. So it's so your hardest exhausting. division at the end for Olympics. Is that the most, like, 
exhausting part of everything that y'all do? Is it the pole or is it the aerial or um, aerial part? It really depends. Um, with aerials, I uh, have just started learning aerials in the past year versus pole I've known for about four years now. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for me to do pole than aerials. But when it comes to Olympics, it just depends on if you're for the show portion when you're on the floor. It depends on what you're doing for that portion, if it's going to be harder than pole for you or not. Like some girls do fire. Some girls do enormous contortions on the stage or circus stuff on the stage for their floor shows. So it just depends on the athlete in mm-hmm. question really and uh, one thing we talked about off air was that one of the contestants is from canada anybody mm-hmm. else from outside of north america like i'm interested now I that know Charzane I, is. yeah Charzane is not uh from the u.s i can't um actually remember right now where she's our, she's from but she is our current reigning entertainer of the year she is amazing nationally she is absolutely incredible to watch on stage and i know there's another girl i have not met yet named black swan I don't think she's from here either. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. Yeah. But um, she's amazing on silks. I've seen a lot of video of her, and um, I'm I'm very excited to see her in person. I'm excited to see everybody and see everyone's shows and what they do. And then we also have um, Miss Parker is actually from the U.S., but she's also competing in this. Um, she has won just about every major um competition that we've had in the past year. Charzane won um, EDI Exact Dancer Invitationals um, West, and then Miss Parker won Exact Dancer Invitationals East. That's our biggest competitions. Yeah. It's like y'all so, Super Bowl. Yeah. So both competitors that won both of those divisions are going to be here at Aerial Angels performing. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be one show you don't want to miss. <laughs> and it's going to be only at Michael's Men's Club. Make sure you get out there. And like I said, after the 10th birthday bash, you've had your dinner. Go out and have your movie, if you will, at Michael's Men's Club out in Broussard and enjoy yourself. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Best of luck next Wednesday night. And I'm sure it's going to be absolute dynamite. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Any, it was a lot of, it was great. Time, anytime. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Come back. We'll flip the conversation over to the U.S. Open. What's going on? What's the latest? And maybe some dark horse picks if you love to gamble like yours truly does. We'll talk about that and more next. Cam Rogers of the Lock It In Podcast joins us next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and more importantly, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. And this is your invitation to come party with us this coming Wednesday night. It is coming soon. And that is the 10th birthday bash of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey this Wednesday. We'll have delicious wings, some fantastic door prizes, and I'm just going to run through some of the best stuff that we've got. 
a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, Audio Video Innovators. And I'm just going to say it between Sam's and Walmart. I've always wanted to say that on the air. I actually was able to kind of throw that in there. Astros tickets, station swag, car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Also, a gift card from Partners Partners Limited, excuse me, around a golf with a cart at Cane Row Golf Course, $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard Men's Clothing, and so much more. And then we've also got a little icing on the proverbial cake, and that is a live edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right after the Astros wrap up. And you'll hear it all right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. But we want you to come on out to B-Dubs, Allen Ambassador Caffrey, Wednesday from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. Absolutely cannot wait for that. I've been trying to lose a little weight. I'm down, I'm down to 246 pounds. I might be digging in a little bit extra into those wings. Might make that my cheat day for the week. But that's besides the point. That's future talk. Let's get into the here and now about what's going on with the U.S. Open, and it's always a pleasure to have on our next guest on the game hotline, and he is the host of the Lock It In podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and a national betting golf analyst, an absolute machine when it comes to golf. Let's get our guy Cam Rogers aboard the program. Cam, how you doing, man? What's going on, CD? Happy Saturday to you, sir. Always a pleasure to be on your program. And let's go ahead and start off because the reason why I I wanted you on last week, kind of full disclosure, but things didn't necessarily work out. Luckily, you brought up, hey, I can come on next week. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. U.S. Open's going on. We'll get to the U.S. Open in a minute. But what were your initial thoughts on the LIV's maiden voyage? Definitely way more interesting, almost comical to a certain extent, how that all went down. Yeah, you know, really, it's interesting times right now covering the world of golf, right? I think the best way to sort of describe what's going on would be surreal, bizarre even, and just unworldly, right? We're talking about a rival tour here that really has some teeth. We're talking about Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia. These guys are major champions, Bryson DeChambeau. I'll give you some inside information, reportedly a top 16 world-ranked player is going to defect on Monday to the Live Tour. So keep an eye on that one. So there's some real steam to this. And what we're seeing now is guys are starting to fall in line with their respective parties, right? John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, those guys are clearly ambassadors of the PGA Tour. But then you have Phil Mickelson, who had a disastrous press conference on Monday, by the way, at the U.S. Open, but going ahead and cashing out on $200 million guaranteed. Bryson DeChambeau, $100 million guaranteed. Brooks could be next. Who knows? But you're seeing where guys' priorities are starting to lie right now. Some want real tests of golf and prestige and morals, per se, and others want to cash out. And I understand both sides, to be honest. Exactly. I'm kind of in that same pathway. It's it's all about, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's all about money, especially when you think about a guy – like right. Phil Mickelson and all the gambling problems he's had and how it seems like the Saudi money is very much just going to wipe that clean like Thanos wiped, wiped away half the world in the, uh, the Avengers movies. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, absolutely. If you have a blank check in front of you 
say, $200 million to play golf eight times in a given year, you're going to say yes, or at least you can't just finger wag. And that's what I'm seeing a lot in the golf media world, CD, is like all this finger wagging toward Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson. Like, don't you dare take all that guaranteed money and ruin the game of golf. And I'm sitting here like, well, hold on a second. Have you ever been in that position where you were offered $100 million to play golf? Forget about where it's coming from. You know, it's just like if you can't put yourself in that arena and you haven't been through it before, how do you have a leg to stand on, per se, as far as criticism is concerned? Rory can criticize because he probably got offered a whole heck of a lot of money. But, you know, golf media and Twitter and all this, like getting mad about it, it's like, hey, you're wasting your energy getting mad about it because Phil needs the money, number one, and he's not going to listen to you. And number two, it's just like you can't really put yourself in that position. I don't even know what I would do. Honestly, I lean towards saying, yes, I'll take the money and play golf eight times a year. Like, who cares, you know? It's about financial stability. And the final point to this is this. When you're on the PGA Tour, you could, in theory, have your card, miss every single cut, and make nothing. So that's the other thing. These guys are independent contractors. It's not like the MLB or the NFL. It's a different beach. And so for a lot of these guys who are struggling on tour, this guaranteed money is a really attractive avenue. Exactly. Like, if you or I were offered $200 million, I feel like more like we'd probably take all the five <laughs> seconds to say, Hell yeah, to go ahead and play golf. We may be the worst of playing golf, but $200 million to play golf eight times a year, worth it, right? And plus, you're getting guaranteed money for just playing. Like, last place gets like $100,000. So we could be plus 50 CD for the week and still make $100,000 just for showing up. Like, that is a really attractive option, especially for guys like Chase Kepka, Brooks Kepka's brother, who really has struggled on the PGA Tour, and maybe he saw the writing on the wall and thought, all right, I'm not going to keep my card for very much longer. Why don't I go ahead and play on this live tour? And another important point is these live guys are playing this week at the U.S. Open. So there's some potentiality here for the four governing bodies of the major championships to all say, okay, live golfers can play while still being suspended by the PGA Tour because an important distinction is this. The PGA Tour does not run any of the four majors. So, Phil, you know, was playing the U.S. Open this week as a suspended member of the PGA Tour. It's a wild story. Oh, it's absolutely insane seeing all the stuff going on with the LIV and PGA, and as well as some of the majors right now. What do you think is the end result of all this? Could we see the LIV become a really strong competitor for, like, a number two? Or could it be a lot like the XFL and the AEF where eventually the money does run dry? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think the money could go forever, in theory. We're talking about the Saudi government, gajillions of dollars that they have at their disposal. So this could go forever if they really wanted to. Uh, as far as profitability is concerned, listen, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, those are great, but that's not going to get you a lot of ad revenue, right? You've got to find a TV partner. Maybe it's Turner Sports. That's sort of my conjecture. We'll see what happens. But you need that, and when you bring in – a good TV partner, you bring in better ad revenue, you bring in more exposure, what have you, and then you really force the PGA Tour's hand to sort of go on the offensive as well and try to improve things on their end. Um, but the more I hear about, you know, Bryson going over and Patrick Reed going over, I mean, these guys are not bad players on the PGA Tour, so it lends me to believe this is going to have some legs, at least in the intermediate, if you will, with the long term. My concern is they have no farm system. Eventually, this whole cherry-picking away 
PGA Tour players is going to run dry. And then what do you do, right, to bring in an influx of talent and what have you? Do you try to go for the amateurs, the rising amateurs out there? The uh, reigning U.S. amateur now is on the live tour. So, I mean, for the, those young guys, that could be really attractive. So they have to focus on that. What's the farm system going to be uh, for the long-term success? But as far as intermediate is concerned, listen, this is going to be around. Uh, and they will have a lot of events in the fall. So that'll be an interesting test in terms of viewership to CD because it's not only going up against the PGA Tour, but the Shield, the NFL, in terms of ratings. So that'll be an interesting test. It really will be. Cam Rogers, host of the Lock It In podcast, to see how that all goes down. But let's get into the U.S. Open conversation. And since we're on the subject of the LIV, might as well get into Phil Mickelson. He absolutely fell apart and I think laying an egg is an absolute understatement. I could say more, but I think I wind up getting a fine by the FCC of what I saw from him. Missing the cut at plus 11, and it's clear to see that he's seen better days on the golf course, and maybe the LIV is the step in the right direction for someone like him. Yeah, he was absolutely horrible. And you have to wonder if it's poetic justice or whatever. A lot of people are making jokes about that. But the reality is the guy hasn't played on the PGA Tour in like five months, and he wasn't that good in the live event last week. I mean, his putting was even bad. So for him, I'm not too surprised to see him slam his trunk on a Friday evening. Uh, He's got, obviously, you know, a lot of pressure inside his mind as well to try to complete that career grand slam at the U.S. Open. So there was that. There was the press conference disaster that I alluded to on Monday where he spoke for 30 minutes and basically said nothing. It was like an amazing tap dance around every single question as if he was a politician. It was truly remarkable stuff. And so, you know, he had that in his head, all the distractions. Everybody was talking about him. No Tiger Woods, so Phil was the story, right? So I think put that all together, it led him to struggle mightily on this golf course. I thought maybe he had a chance to do something special only because It's a smaller track, and I thought this was going to be somewhat of a scramble fest, which is very much Phil's wheelhouse, but it's clear that's not even working for him right now. So he's going to have to get some more reps under his belt here in the live event before the Open Championship next month for sure. Now let's talk about more of the actual people who are playing today and get to some of the leaderboard (laughs) because it's interesting to see some of the names at the top of the leaderboard. There's a lot of names we don't necessarily know all that well, not necessarily you know, the Blue Bloods. Obviously we got Colin Morikawa and Joel Damon, they're currently leading the pack. But Rory McIlroy and defending Open champ John Rahm are amongst the players, kind of nipping at the two leaders' heels right now. Could we see that room get a lot more crowded today? Yeah, absolutely. This is a jam-packed leaderboard right now. Really impressed with Colin Morikawa. I will, you know, just put my hand up and say that I was not on him going into this week. I thought he was going to struggle around these greens. And, you know, he's been playing fantastically, obviously, and really showing how good of a major championship golfer he is. He's not going anywhere. John Rahm has been ultra impressive so far here in 2022, and not too surprised to see him right there at four under par. And he relishes in those difficult conditions. He hates birdie fest. When the winning score is like 22 under, he hates that. He loves this, the grind it out atmosphere and what have you. Interestingly, Yesterday was very, very low scoring, one of the lowest scoring second rounds in U.S. Open history. So, you know, that's something to sort of keep in mind here as we go through moving day. Can somebody behind the pack, if you will, really make a charge and make some noise, put some pressure on these leaders here? So stay tuned on that. McElroy, it's like no time has passed from last week. RBC Canadian Open, he won there. 
carries that momentum over to this week. Hasn't won a major since 2014. I was a sophomore in college, so it's been some time here. But, you know, I think he's got his swagger back. He's got that Rory pep in his step again. Watch for him to hoist the trophy on Sunday evening. And then Scotty Scheffler playing well as well. I'll give you a dark horse. I was on him for a top 20 going into this week. Brian Harmon at three under par. Really good grinder. He was 19th at the U.S. Open last year, runner-up in 2017. This golf course is perfect for him. I could see him making a charge here today. Uh, you're the host of the Lock It In podcast. Before I let you go, obviously we, we love a little sports betting around here, especially since it's now legalized out here in the state of Louisiana. Give me three names that I should be putting money on in one way or another, be it outright win, top five, or top ten. Yeah, so if you want to go with the outright market, I think an interesting play would obviously be Matt Fitzpatrick at two under par. This is a guy who won the U.S. Amateur on this golf course back in 2013. So he has good memories at the country club. I think Matt Fitzpatrick has some outright value. And again, he's only two under par, so that's three shots behind. So stay tuned on him. I like that play. And then, you know, going down the board a little bit, Xander Shoffley at one under par. You know, I picked him to win this tournament. He's right there in theory, four back. I think he's worth a sprinkle at this point in terms of the outright market. So keep an eye on Xander. I like him a lot going into this week, obviously. And then somebody like a Patrick Reed at one over par. You know, he'd be an interesting play for a top 10 finish here this week. I thought this course set up well for him just as far as grinding is concerned. And everybody's going to miss green if this turns into a wedge fest this weekend. I think Reed can certainly make a charge for a top 10, even at one over par. Same thing with Joaquin Neiman at one over par. He could make a move to a top 10 finish this week because he has that electricity CD, you know, that uh, you really like. The ball striking is fantastic. He can make a lot of birdies and bunches. And I I got one more. I kind of forgot to bring this up because when you look at the scoring, we talk about it, how close that pack is. You've got Morikawa and Damon at five under. That's who your leaders are. What's been up with the scoring? Because it feels like it's a little bit lower than some of us expect. Is it more just the fact of how the country club out in Brookline is is playing or, or what? Yeah, you know, listen, I'm actually 45 minutes away from the golf course. The weather has been pristine, really no rain to speak of. The wind has picked up a little bit, but that was mostly on Thursday afternoon. I'm looking outside my window. It's like a nice calm day here in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So, you know, this morning should be ripe for scoring conditions. And Friday was one of the lowest scoring pre-cut days in U.S. Open history. Among rounds one and two, the field average of Friday was 71.99, which was the second lowest in championship history. So, listen, uh, this is a shorter golf course, too. We're not talking about a big ballpark like Torrey Pines or anything along those lines, Wingfoot and what have you. So that allows for these bombers to club down and still hit it really close, you know, to these greens and have short approach shots into these greens. So, you know, if the wind doesn't pick up the rest of the weekend, we could see some more low scoring. Now that's all relative. The lead is five under par, but you know, this is certainly a lower scoring us open than I've recalled in years past. Cam, thank you so much for coming on brother. Talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hopefully you can kind of get out there and enjoy a little bit of the final round tomorrow. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Take care. All right, Cam Rogers, appreciate him joining the program. You can follow him on Twitter for all the latest when it comes to sports betting and everything in between in the world of golf at Mr. Rogers 99. Going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll get to my fave five picks to click. And I'm also I'm going to do a little deep dive into how this past weekend went for yours truly in terms of 
with sports betting because it's been very, very good to me. We're going to talk about that and more next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104 One Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. And it's time to kind of give you my fave five picks to click for this weekend. And more importantly, I got story time in a minute. I'll go ahead and do the story time to end the hour, but we'll get to the fave five picks. Last weekend, 405, the Rays killed the money line, killed the parlay. Actually, that was a different parlay entirely. I made that parlay on after the show. This was like Saturday afternoon. Forgot about that. But the five-leg parlay I had last weekend that I made before the show, the Blue Jays killed that. It was Phillies, Blue Jays, Braves, Lightning, and Shevchenko, and I was one away. I was four or five. Actually, it was four or five twice on some parlays. Didn't necessarily work out all that well, but it is what it is. We'll talk about Maybe some successes in a little, little bit. But let's get to this weekend's Fave 5 picks to click. We start off with the Tampa Bay Rays at 3 o'clock. They'll be taking on the Baltimore Orioles at 3.05. They're minus 155 over the O's. Give me the Tampa Bay Rays getting it done here. Then we go to the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander on the bump against a absolutely past his prime Johnny Cueto in the Chicago White Sox. Yes, the Kevin Foot theory is in effect, but I feel like Justin Verlander is going to be do more than enough tonight to get it done for the Strohs. Stanley Cup action, we're going to go throw down on that as well. I'll go Tampa Bay Lightning plus 130 odds. I got to go with a dog here, and I feel like the Lightning can get it done and even up the series at two apiece because, after all, they're looking for the three-peat if they win this year's Stanley Cup. Looking at College World Series, a couple picks here. Arkansas, minus 105 over Stanford. And I'll go with the true underdog story, minus 140. The Ole Miss Rebels, hotty toddy, gosh almighty, beating the Auburn Tigers, War Eagles, Plainsmen. Call what you want. It's a dub for the Rebs. And that on a $5 parlay, that could net yours truly a nice $89.16. Fingers and toes crossed there. Now, let's get to story time with CD. So this past weekend, I wound up going to a local sports book. Wound up making my way about 20 minutes down the road. Went to a sports book. And, by the way, the sports book they have is immaculate. And I cannot tell you enough how much fun I had going ahead and just placing a few bets. At one point, I placed a $6 parlay. That's five legs on the UFC card. It was... I picked for once I picked something from the world of UFC and I picked a prelim. I picked Brendan Allen, Zhang Wei Li to win. I also picked Shevchenko. She was another one that was a winner. There was another fight that I cannot remember which one I picked on that end. I have to go ahead and look at the UFC two seventy five card because I think I locked in there was one other one I locked in in the main card yeah it was a jack della Mal- madalina i had to go with him he was kind of a new guy 
got an opportunity to be on the main card and shined. So it was Brendan Allen from the Louisiana area from Shreveport, Jack Della, Maladina, Zhang Wei Li, Shevchenko, and Jiri in the main event. I tell you, it was the most anxiety-ridden like half hour watching Shevchenko almost lose. She should have lost by the cards, first of all, but she won. I was glad about that. 30 seconds left. Jiri wins. $6 parlay nets me six, nets me $35. Definitely was feeling good. And then this kind of comes down the pike on Thursday night. This got settled just the other day. And I love the fact that it happened. You love to see whenever yours truly gets a win. And I had the Golden State Warriors. Back in February, I placed this bet down right around the All-Star break. $35 on those Golden State Warriors to win the NBA championship at plus 450. Yours truly locked down $192 on that bet. So trust me. I'm feeling good. Trust, I've lost a lot of parlays, but to be honest with you, when I hit those things, your boy absolutely is in a good-ass mood, and I'm in a great mood because our ones in the books, we move forward, and we got a great hour two planned for you, including top five things I miss in general from the Acadiana area, places I miss. We're going to talk about that and more, so get your phone out and dial up 337-706-0111 hour two next 